0: morning before we begin our sermon, I just want to let you know that if you're interested in supporting the ministries of this podcast or, or your local church, um, I invite you and encourage you to to send any donations that you would like to 563 East Main Street in Philadelphia, Mississippi, 39350. Um, send them to Henry's Chapel, UMC, and, they will, and all of those donations will go towards local church, as well as the ministries of this podcast and the people of Henry's Chapel. And now, let us jump into the word of Exodus, chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. This is We're going to look at the story this morning of the birth of Moses and the story that we often hear of Moses being put into the basket. But we're going to look at the background before we jump into that story. So Moses, or Exodus, rather, chapter 1, verse 8. Now a new king arose over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them. They will increase and in the event of a war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. So I just want to stop right there just to point out at the very beginning. First off, that we have a Pharaoh who does not have a name. Um, and oftentimes in scripture, you hear about Pharaoh and Pharaoh so and so and Pharaoh such and such because it helps you understand the time frame. But I think the reason that we don't hear about Pharaoh here is A, the story's not about Pharaoh, but B, is because Pharaoh is more of a figurehead in this story. Pharaoh is, a, is an illustration of a person of power. That's not to say the story didn't really happen, but what it is to say is that Pharaoh could have been any person in power. Because Pharaoh in this story, or king, however your scripture um, says it, is a representative of all power. And, And we see from the very beginning that Pharaoh is acting out of fear. Fear that the people will rise up. Fear that the Israelite people will become so numerous that they will overtake his people and so therefore he's acting out of fear he's acting irrational rather because he's he's acting on something that may happen something that he thinks may happen but he's allowing his fear to dictate his actions and how often do we do so we can look at this and go that's silly But how often do we allow our fears? I can't do that because I'm afraid of what may happen. I'm afraid of how people may perceive me. I'm afraid of, insert here, and we allow it, our fear, to dictate the way in which we act and the things in which we say. But anyway, as we jump back into our our lesson, it says, therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pithom and Ramses, for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. And what this is ultimately saying is so the Pharaoh said, I've got an idea. What we'll do is we'll keep them pressed down. And I think this, this speaks to where we are in our current climate so greatly. Just the fact that um, we, we fear the different, we fear, fear the oppressed, we fear those that are not like us. And so what we do is go, okay, let's hold them down. Let's oppress them so that they don't become equal or greater than us. And so what we all, all, all are acting on is a fear because we don't want to lose our power, our prestige and, our, and where we are. And we feel that if someone else was to, to rise up, then it pushes us down instead of looking at the world from the idea of what if all were on an equal playing field. But anyway, but what Pharaoh is saying here is he's saying, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to oppress them, they're going to build. And what he starts to realize is, um, is the more that he oppresses them, the more they rise up. The more they, as the scripture says, they multiply and what he's ultimately getting at is is the more that which he tries to control and manipulate the situation the more he realizes the very thing that he does does not want to happen is the very thing that does seem to happen and so they they begin to multiply and the egyptians become ruthless as we hear in verse 13 and imposing tasks on the Israelites and make their lives bitter with hard service and mortar and brick. And in every kind of field labor, they were ruthless in all the tasks that were imposed on them. And so they, what we hear is that the slave drivers literally become bitter because they're like, wait a minute, we're doing everything we can and y'all are still prospering. Things are still going good. So let's become bitter. And they become angry because people, because they're looking around, well, why are you receiving such favor? Why why is it when I'm I'm oppressing you, I'm holding you down, how is it that you are rising up? And so the king becomes bitter. The Pharaoh becomes very bitter. And in verse 15, it says, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra and the other Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the, birth, on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him, but if it is a girl, she shall live. So, so the Pharaoh's fear has guided him to, to oppression. It starts off with oppression. It starts off with holding those folks down so that they don't rise up to be equal to him. And now he has allowed that fear to move to murder, to move to genocide, really, to move to the idea of wipe out all of their males, all the boys that are born, and therefore they will not be able, remove the ability that they have, to rise up, to become numerous, to come, become, as Jesus told them over and over in Genesis, to be fruitful and multiply the Pharaoh has, for lack of a better term, has circumvented himself as God, demanding that he has the power over life and death. But as we hear in our scriptures over and over, God is the one with power over life and death. So Pharaoh has told these midwives to kill the, the sons that are born. And but what we hear in verse 17 says, the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. And I think this is just such a beautiful ta- passage because what it's ultimately calling us to question is what do we fear more? And, and when this talks about a fear of God, it's not a oh no, God may smite me fear, but it's a healthy fear of God. It it, it it's that. It's that fear. It's that reverence, if you will. Um, I've, I've said it before that my growing up, one of the things that my parents could always say that would get me right at the core of who I was is when they would look at me and go, we're not angry. We're just disappointed. And and I lived not necessarily in a fear, but because I loved and respected my parents. I didn't want to disappoint. I wanted to do what they desired for me as saint francis de sales said we must fear god out of love not love him out of fear and i think what we're hearing here is the fact that the midwives loved god but they they feared him because they had a healthy love of god and they realized who god was and his all and and his amazingness and how almighty he was and so or is and so they they choose to be fearful of god as opposed to be fearful of man but i think so often in our world we act on behalf of being fearful of man what others will think how others will perceive us and we allow that to handcuff us to from doing what we're called to do because we're worried about how it will come across I, I, I can't post that on Facebook because because people know me as this. And if I say something that goes against what, I, what how people perceive me, then it won't be good. Uh, if, I, if I act in a way that a white male should not act, and if I vote in a way that somebody from this place should not vote, or if I say something that, that, that the people around me don't necessarily buy into, I, I will receive pushback, and I'm not willing to hurt myself. Well, what we start to do is we act out of self-preservation instead of reverence of God. We act out of our out of preserving ourselves instead of preserving the kingdom of God. But these midwives, as we hear, they feared God and did as God as God commanded, not as Egypt the king of Egypt commanded. And so the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this? And allowed the boys to live. And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. So while, yes, the midwives are doing right, what we hear here is when when the Pharaoh says, Why? That they play to the Pharaoh's. Legitimate racism and prejudice towards these people, I and mean, they say they're like beasts. They're like animals. They just they don't wait. They're 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 having babies before the midwives can even get there. They're like animals in the field. They just they pop out babies and then they keep going. And Pharaoh, because of this prejudice, absolutely hears it and receives it as, as truth. And I and and this echoes over and over in our own society where we form our prejudice, we form our beliefs, we form what we think to be true. And so anything that aligns with what we want to believe and what we want to be true, we automatically mark as truth instead of researching any it, instead of seeking any of it. You see, what the midwives said was not true. They were there and they were giving birth to these babies. They just weren't killing them because of their fear of God. But Pharaoh heard something that he liked he that aligned with his beliefs about these people and said that must be true and how often do we do this we really need to search our hearts and our minds to say just because i want it to be true is it true just because i want to believe this do, is, does that make it true and to be willing to do the legwork and the heart work to to research and to see how true these things that we claim to be really are because what we see is the Pharaoh is acting literally out of the, the fear of, of, pow- of losing his power, but he's also acting out of the ignorance and judgment of a, another person. And so God dealt with the midwives and put and people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. And then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall save every girl. And so the pharaoh, he literally doubles down here and says, All right, so if the midwives won't do it, when you find one, throw them in the river, kill them. And, it's almost, and it almost feels like we, they've taken one step forward in, in the release of this captivity, but then they take two steps back because now they have a whole people hunting them. And then we get into chapter two where we hear the story that we're all so familiar with. Now, a man came from a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman and the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine baby, she said she hid him for three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bidium and pitch. And she put the child in, the, in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. And his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. And the daughter of Pharaoh came to bathe at the river. And while her attendants walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent, him, and sent her made, and made her bring it to him to her. When she opened it and she saw the child, he was crying and she took pity on him. And this must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. And then the sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And so what ultimately happens is this woman gives birth, hides her baby because she doesn't want it to die. And so we all automatically see that, that this person, because of their race, for lack of, I mean, their, because of who, how they were born, um, had been oppressed to the point where they must hide. And they're already at a disadvantage than the others. Um, because they must be hidden, and, and so they're not receiving the proper treatment that they should. But what we see is the mother then says, I can't, I can't keep doing this. Um, I'm, I, I want better for my child. So she sends her child off, essentially, puts it in a basket, sends it down the river, and who finds it but Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter, as we hear, has pity on the baby because the baby is crying, knowing that the baby is one of those that her father has commanded to die. She says, "No, I will take it in." She, she, she says, "I hear what the powers that be, and I hear what my family says, but I know better. That this is these people are not lesser." And I, and I think this is so often the crutch in which we use, especially in the South, when it comes to the oppression of people and the pushing, and the pushing the margins of different people is we use the the my. It's always been that way. My family has in the, has put this in me. And this is a story that says, no, you can, you can push back on that system as well. But then it it, it almost gets comedic because what happens as she goes to get a nurse is the Pharaoh's daughter said yes. And so the girl went and called for the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child, nurse it for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. So ultimately what happens is the mother is fearful for her child, sends it off, and now she gets her child back, and she's getting paid to take care of it. And I just think that's such a, that's the way in which God works in mysterious ways. And, and, but what we ultimately hear is when the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. And she took him as her son. She named him Moses. And because she said, I drew him out of the water. And so ultimately what we hear is that now the very thing that Pharaoh feared is happening. And not only that, but now Pharaoh has one of, uh, of, quote unquote, those people in his family. Um, because of all that he has done to try to push back and because the fa- because somebody in the family made the, the minor step of going, you know what? You're acting out of fear and hate, Dad. I'm going to act out of love and compassion. And then ultimately the story of Moses the story of what happens when you see an injustice and are willing to do something about it. And this, as we talked about last week, this small thing of... Deciding to care for someone ends up, as we hear throughout the story of Moses, has a larger impact. And and, and we see in our story, because of a small act, that Pharaoh's power is circumvented by the most unlikely, a Hebrew, a woman, a servant. The least of these, those that have been marginalized. So my my challenge as we close this morning is, A, that we start to search our hearts and minds to say, just because I want it to be true, does that make it true? But also that we can find ourselves looking around for the injustices in our world and go how can I be moved, as we talked about from the past weeks, "from, uh, from compassion to action? Thank you, and God bless.